Hello, you wonderful people. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up to our Patreon account. The link will be in the description of this podcast, but you can also go to patreon.com forward slash Pod. For as little as four euros a month, you can help us out and become part of our little community. You'll get early access to all of the pods and you'll also get a monthly newsletter from myself and Jim. So basically two monthly newsletters where we'll talk about stuff that's going on in our own personal lives and what we've been thinking about slash inspired about. We also are asking you guys to get involved with the podcast so you can send in questions for our upcoming guests or you can suggest to us people or topics you would like us to interview and explore further. Um, We love you. We hope that you love us and hopefully just by giving us as little as four euros a month, that's basically, it's not even a pint in London that you can help us become an even better podcast. Thank you all. Hello friends, welcome back. This week our guest is Kira Sherlock. Kira is a hard woman to put into a box, but she can definitely be described as someone who is deeply invested in helping people improve their relationship with themselves and the world around them. You might find her holding space for women, becoming a mother, supporting a person through an altered state of consciousness, or working with someone who has pain or trauma, which is manifesting physically. She weaves her knowledge and experience of bodywork, altered states of consciousness and shamanism to create a holistic process that encompasses mind, body and spirit. In this podcast, I speak with Kira about the importance of what is referred to as integration work after a psychedelic journey. In essence, how we can derive meaning from the experience and how this meaning can help us in our everyday lives. We discuss what psychedelic integration can entail and what can happen if one just moves from psychedelic trip to psychedelic trip without attempting to bring these experiences back into their day-to-day. We also talked to Kira about the women's circles that she facilitates and the healing power of being held by a group of people as you reveal the layers of your soul. Yes, that is a Kanye West lyric. But uh, sincerely, uh, I have benefited hugely from men's circles and it was lovely to hear Kira describe similar uplifting shifts and deeper connections occurring for the women in her groups too. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat as I moved from a tired man to a very engaged, excited child towards the end of the podcast. I have left a link to Kira's website if you would like to learn more about her and her work. Ciao. Kira Sherlock, what's the crack? Welcome to the Earthy Delights podcast. How are you keeping? Hiya, thank you. What is the crack? <laughs> nice to be on here, yeah. Thanks so much for having oh, me. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, yeah, how have you been doing mm-hmm. first? Because we, bo- we both said we were quite tired and maybe we should let the listeners know just, just before that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it might not be full of energy today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're definitely having a slow-paced chat, I think. Uh, well, I'm just on the tail end of having COVID again, actually, for the second time. This time was considerably worse i would say in the first time but uh i survived and it's fine and it's good to actually have that feeling i've been reflecting a lot on like yeah just the feeling the sensation of your body healing you know Uh like of just your body getting through something quite like yeah quite rough yeah so um so yeah I'm 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 coming back, but I have definitely been napping and just like yeah, resting a lot. It's really really takes it. Yeah. Out, 
you know, mm. one thing I had COVID maybe two and a half months ago, and one thing that I really took mm-hmm. was like, I, I, I never, I never longed to go to the shop and and buy some fruit like I did before. It was almost like after so long away <laughs> from everything, I kind of just like, oh, it's just great that I can just bump into somebody and say sorry and you know, <laughs> and yeah, purchase yeah, my yeah, food yeah. and and. Uh, yeah, but I, I I do think that I do think obviously it's a challenging thing for a lot of people, but it's nice to acknowledge that there are things to take away from it, you know. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, gratitude for the simple yeah. things like going to the shop. Yeah, and also just having yeah, just having a healthy vessel. Yeah, you know, uh, by the end of it or when it comes back, or I suppose just realizing how good you have it day to day. You know, we if t- you, if you have like a you know, a well-functioning, healthy body. It's the main thing, yeah. really, right? So easy to take for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you? Why Why are you so tired? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started a job as a youth worker six weeks ago. And so I've been working with, mm. um, uh, I've been working with 12 to 13 year olds all day. And uh, there's mm. ups and downs, you know? <laughs> I, li- I like working mm. with young people because it's just a, an intense kind of encapsulation of the human experience. You know, they're just really happy and really on it for, for a short period of time. And then they're not happy mm. and they get that out. And then there's a little fight and then there's a bit, they're a bit, you know, a bit down. It's just, mm. it's a new experience for me, but I'm enjoying it, but it's definitely hard to hold, you know, uh, it's, but it's a healthy tired also, Do you know, uh, previously I'd be so mentally tired, but this is yeah. more kind of a physical Oh, I don't have a lot in me, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's great to be around kids. Like, it's yeah. just never a dull moment. No. I don't work with preteens, but I work a lot with babies these days. Oh. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it's just wild, you know. They're they're so, it's just raw emotion, you know, and, and, um, and learning and, yeah, the level of tiredness is is amazing but makes you feel alive right exactly you're right yeah i always always think those extremes the kind of times where you don't feel quote-unquote normal are just grand they're just the reminders Mm -hmm. that you're alive you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the nervousness and the exhaustion and oh you're you're in this body this body has Mm -hmm. has a wide range of experiences um Mm -hmm. here before we get going, it would be great for the listeners to have a kind of idea of how you came in to the area that you're working in and yeah, just a bit about yourself, how you grew up and what were your interests and yeah, that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, a whistle stop yeah. short of um, the, the start of this um, journey, I suppose. Well, well, I'm from Dublin, grew up in Dublin, North Dublin and um yeah, I I was always a very I suppose like social person. I was always really um passionate about bringing people together. Um, that kind of started me doing event management in college and DIT, and um I originally was doing a lot of event work, so producing um like music events, festivals, that kind of thing. Again, the kind of you know bringing to get people together, um. But in a more kind of, I don't know, we could say kind of commercial sense okay. um, and for like entertainment purposes. 
Um, and yeah, a lot of people ask me how I came to psychedelics in particular, that being such a, a massive part of my work. But actually, it was really psychedelics that led me to everything else, I feel like. Um, okay. And, and yeah, that's not really the way it goes. A lot of people kind of start on a bit of like a quest of some sort and then they get they come across psychedelics. But for me, it was quite the opposite, really. Um, so, yeah, when I was in college, I did a college exchange. I lived in the Netherlands for a while. And at that time, um, I had limited recreational drug use experience, I would say. Um, and no experience really with the kind of classic psychedelics. Um, but through having experiences with truffles in the Netherlands, which were and still are legal there, um, I just, I think I didn't give it the credit that it deserved at the time. Like I had really good experiences, uh, fun, you know, quite casual, um, just recreational experiences at home with a couple of friends, you know. Um, but those experiences definitely um, set me off on quite a lot of um, self-discovery and I suppose questioning a lot of different things. And and when I came back to Ireland, I say this really often, so if people know me, they probably hear me, whoa, the spaces I'm creating. I'm, I was really seeing how people were using, have heard me said, say this before, that I um, when I came back, I really felt culture shocked at my own culture. Like when I came back and I was doing more events and, you know, doing festival work particularly, I was really like, like drugs and alcohol included um, and creating like actually quite a chaotic space that um, a lot of people have really mad or difficult experiences in. So, um, that kind of at that point when I came back home and I felt a little bit isolated because a lot of people that I knew didn't know anything about psychedelics um, and I was also seeing drug use in like a totally new way and, and quite a like um, I was realizing how unhealthy it can be basically so I started um, yeah I started doing harm reduction training um, I was learning a lot about psychedelics. I did a couple of like integration trainings and, and a few bits like that in the early days that really gave me like a lot greater um, grasp on how to work with psychedelics. And this is obviously going hand in hand with my own experiences then, you know, like that I was also just personally um, fascinated by and getting a lot from the experiences that I was having as well as learning a lot about yeah, just how to do it well, I suppose. Um, so a lot of things obviously um, happened in that time, it, to put it briefly, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I started to do training in um, body-based therapies as well as um, shamanic-based kind of counselling and, and therapy. Um, in Dunderry Park in in, um, in Navan, in Ireland, with the um, Centre of Shamanic Studies. Um, so they were kind of laying the foundations for a lot of what was to come, really. I started um, facilitating psychedelic retreats then okay. with the Psychedelic Society um, in the UK. I ended up doing that for five, six years. 
um and that really grew you know legs and kind of ran and got really popular and you know that became basically the biggest part of my life um for those kind of subsequent years but um I suppose personally you know I I, I had had the kind of like earlier um, psychedelic experiences that I would have deemed as recreational. However, I really don't think that they're that separate. I think a lot of the time recreational experiences can be totally profound and healing and, and beautiful, you know. It doesn't have to be set up as a therapeutic experience, you know, for in order for it to just kind of accidentally be one. Um so through that time, yeah, my, my own experiences really, I suppose, from transitioning out of creating quite uh, the way I saw it, like chaotic experiences that people were using drugs in um, to creating really safe, held and therapeutic spaces for people to use psychedelics in particularly and go really deep with them. Um, yeah, at the same time, just having some really big life experiences myself. Uh, tragically lost one of my best friends um, and just really needed to call upon the tools that I was learning along the way to really help me through that kind of trauma and grief. Um, and that was really when... You know, I feel like we, we can go through life like learning a lot about these tools, but it's only when we come to them on our knees, needing needing them, you know, where we really then get to understand the, the real power of, of what they can do. So, yeah, just holding myself um, through, through that and, and using shamanic work and, and body-based work and psychedelics um, to get me through quite tough experiences was kind of... Um, yeah, that's where my personal story came in, you know? Okay. Kira, can I um, ask, um, mm. for people listening who maybe haven't had any psychedelic experience, um, can you kind of uh, maybe unpack a little bit the desire to uh, have these experiences? Like, what was the intention behind? What did you hope to achieve through having these experiences? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, like did the way you look at day-to-day -day life change and then that then subsequently mm -hmm. kind of uh, energize what you then wanted to do in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, for me personally, actually, and a lot of people probably expect like a quite a, a big sacred answer from me about, you know, why I came to psychedelics. But like I said, it was quite a recreational thing. You know, I definitely did it very respectfully and mindfully. But um, but obviously I've worked with, you know, many hundreds of people since then with psychedelics and a lot of why they come to psychedelics is, you know, in a general sense, they basically just feel like there has to be more to life than what they're experiencing. You know, like they don't have to be at an absolute dead end in the world at but just that, that sense, and I really feel like a lot of people came to it through um, the pandemic, really, of like, you know, when life stops and they kind of have a moment to think they're like, wait, what is this all about? Like, and, and you know, to what level am I, am I really experiencing the fullness of life, essentially? Um, so a lot of people definitely will, will come to it thinking, you know, maybe they've had some mental health struggles. Maybe they've just kind of realized that they've been 
in this cycle for years and years and and haven't really um allowed themselves to either reflect and heal some big things that have happened to them or just open open their mind you know and and experience something um different you know now obviously there's a lot of uh especially in the last you know up to a decade but especially in the last five years there's been a lot of um research that's been happening a lot of you know new books podcasts like from what i can see anyway everyone is talking about psychedelics these days you know we have oprah winfrey and like joe rogan and tim ferris and all of these people who um yeah really are kind of shouting it from the rooftops um so there's also been a really big culture shift, especially in comparison to when I started doing psychedelics. And the only resource I really had was um, a couple of early things that MAPS were doing and, uh, and um, a website called Aeroid, um, which is a really great website that's proper old school. Um, but it, it, it's kind of like an account of all these different drug experiences. It's a really great place to learn about. Um, yeah, about all types of substances. So uh, there's been a really big culture shift, you know, it's a lot more information out there too. So people are coming to it, you know, the people like Michael Pollan, who's like just a really popular journalist, you know, people respect him and they respect, you know, people who wouldn't be naturally in kind of psychedelic circles or whatever. They, they're, you know, well, if he's talking about it, then... There must be really something to it. So I think um, their psychedelics are now getting the credit they've always deserved in a way. Um, but I suppose, yeah, I also have a lot to say about how they're also, you know, they're getting the credit they deserve, but they're also quite glorified. Mm. Um, and that sometimes kind of troubles me a little bit, you know, when you see um, articles saying... Psilocybin cures depression or, you know, MDMA cures PTSD. And it's just like snippets of one liners that are very much kind of, um, yeah, glorifying something that is just not that simple, you know. And obviously I'm a mad, massive advocate for psychedelics in general, but I also know very deeply the the necessity of integration and the fact that these studies, you know, that they, they give these, um, they advertise psychedelics as, as you know, the, the healers and the, the things that cure um, mental illness and things like that. It's really not. It's really psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Like they can't be separated. The therapy from the just taking, you know, mushrooms doesn't cure, unfortunately, your depression. And like I said, recreational experiences definitely can be profound and healing but at the same time if we're talking about like mental illness it's a very complex thing and it's unfortunately not that simple so yeah there's a lot of, they basically a lot of work around using psychedelics that needs to be done if you want to um if the if you want the results to be sustained yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, one of the best ways i heard it recently was that they won't do the work for you Almost like mm -hmm. they'll give they'll give you glimpses, experiences, special things, but it's not like then you go back to work on Monday and you're just this one hundred percent changed person. Totally. 
and totally. it it almost and a feels, lot of people come sorry. to me with that mindset like yeah a lot of people come to me with that mindset they're like okay i've heard you now i read an article and i've read that psilocybin cures you know manic depressive disorder and these really big you know um nuanced issues. conditions and a lot of a lot of what i spend my time doing is um expectation management Ooh. basically with people you know Ooh. but sorry you were going to say something um oh well that was good what you said i want i want to want to work on that a little bit but just i was going to say that i think unfortunately um it seems like the kind of overarching western mentality has been taken on psychedelics where it used to be like uh i don't know running running will save you or yoga will save you meditation will save you Mm. all these things that have never really said that they in themselves would save you but they kind of get rebranded as like you just consume or purchase this experience and you're saved or you're fixed you know Um, right and so but it would be i think it would be great for listeners who are who are either interested in or have already had experiences for you to talk about that um kind of expectation management a bit more Mm. yeah so i suppose well i suppose i just like to really encourage people to get really serious about if they do if they are coming to psychedelics with an intention to change you know or transform something um that they that they just basically get ready to do the groundwork you know because like you said it's it, it's exactly that they they are tools they are absolutely incredible tools but it's like you know the hammer won't won't beat the nail in for you you know what i mean like it's you you that has to use the tool and really like put the effort in um so yeah i i would work a lot with um helping people prepare you know doing a lot of of um supportive kind of counseling getting to the crux of of issues um whether it's past or present for them and just giving it space to to explore um and then bringing you know a lot of different elements that i use that would be that would come from the shamanic um work that i do would be you know bringing in different things not just talking essentially not just kind of verbalizing everything but bringing in rituals and different techniques that you know uh, that are um inspired by nature and inspired by um ceremonial ways to symbolize different things and different processes bringing them in and again just giving the mind a chance to kind of prepare for this change because if something is just kind of like if you just dive into something your psyche won't even really be ready to process what's actually happening so really like there's a lot of groundwork to be done in the preparation phases um and then obviously holding a psychedelic experience is is a a whole thing in itself and afterwards yeah again just really given plenty of time to be like this it, it it sometimes i feel like it starts after the psychedelic experience too you know the the integration work and the change and and how you essentially harvest what's happened um and and yeah figure out what and how you bring forward into your into your life and what do you do daily um that helps support the changes that want to come or the insights that have come um 
And like I say, you know, psychedelics are one of the most mysterious experiences, you know, and, and we can can never expect anything of, of what might happen. So, you know, yeah, expectation management about the fact that these aren't just going to automatically change your life, but also who knows what might happen in the experience you um you might have all the intentions for healing and working on a you know maybe a specific relationship let's say that's troubled you your whole life and when you're in the experience you don't even think about that thing once you know you go off in a whole other direction but i really believe that healing is not linear like there's no a to b to z you know it's it's a constant it's a constant spiral moving forward and um yeah it's just non-linear so you know the experiences nonetheless are always significant um and have a lot of content in there but of, but a lot of the time uh it's not exactly what people kind of expect you know so working with the mystery is a really big part of what i do like not only with psychedelics but yeah definitely with psychedelics in a big way it's um it's something that yeah I think we should talk about in terms of what it looks like in 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 so for people who are thinking okay you have this profound experience um and sometimes it's abstract as mm. you say sometimes it's non-linear it's kind of hard to put a narrative on it it was just this all-encompassing it's really hard to put words on it sometimes mm-hmm. um and like you said sometimes putting words on it isn't that, that helpful even um but for mm-hmm. someone who's like, can you just kind of put it in more like uh, practical manners on what an integration process might like? Would it happen over a span of weeks and months? Mm-hmm. And are there regular mm-hmm. sessions just for people who aren't familiar at all? Right. Yeah. Well, I would definitely do a number of uh, integration talk sessions with people. So, yeah, we are, you know, we are putting language on it to some degree but it's not limited to that so um i would really encourage people to to also take their own time to write to maybe guide them on some um different rituals that they can do to help you know it's kind of like symbolically process um body-based practices that really help and i it's really tailored to a person's interests as well i don't really like to kind of prescribe a load of new things to people so they have like a million new things to try it's more about extracting what they do or what they like or what works for them already and just help weave that into the process so you know if they love to go hiking let's say you know they might have set a specific time you know to go for a solo hike and do a little ritual along the way or something like that or if they love to dance then well they might use a particular playlist to really kind of embody the experience or something you know it's it's definitely never one size fits all um but yeah the the kind of trajectory is essentially based upon reflecting on the experience finding the the path that suits you for integration and committing to that and embodying the change then you know and and then also constantly reflecting so it's it's never as i said like a b c d but yeah creating a i suppose um what's the word 
yeah, creating a process, a long-term process that is um, that is supportive of these changes that might occur, you know. And another big thing around that, actually, that's really important to touch upon is, you know, this term change happens in relationships and transformation happens in relationships. So I work, I did groups for many, many years and through COVID, a lot of that changed. And now I do do some uh, small amount of one-to-one work. But there's a really important piece which is about community and which is about connecting with people um being witnessed in the processes that you go through and just being held essentially by a, a wider um network other than just you in a vacuum going through these massive changes and I feel like actually that's kind of what happened to me back in the early days but something that I've seen over the years just be so crucial is essentially just other people you know, witnessing and sharing um with you the experience. So um that might be having just a good friend to talk to or having a therapist that's open to discussing psychedelic experiences. Um I also run a a Patreon group with the Psychedelic Society of Ireland. Um so that's like a monthly group basically that meet online and have discussions and then I do kind of like informational videos around the themes that come up and it's kind of a place where people can come who are interested in psychedelics and who can discuss openly just their journey and ask questions and work you know with me but in a group as well um, to kind of yeah just connect with like-minded people which I think is really important and there are psychedelic societies all over the world as well in case you know people are not from mm. ireland um there's there's many so the community thing and, and and being witnessed in change is like a really essential piece you know i i i'll briefly share that i had a very special psycho- psychedelic mm-hmm. experience over christmas period and it was it was mm. like the 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 words that came to mind was that I felt like every cell in my body was bursting with love, you know, and mm. and mm-hmm. I was reminded of the next day of being so grateful for the fact that I was over with several blokes who are in my men's group and thinking mm-hmm. if I didn't have this and I was just mm-hmm. back in an airport or back in a city where this kind of incredible insight that I felt like I've, I've had uh, is kind of being blatantly um, either disrespected or not acknowledged or uh, rejected right in front of me and I'm real sensitive because I've just had this and hearing you say this uh, this is why I really wanted to talk to you about because I guess it would be nice to talk a little more about the potential pitfalls or dangers of not having a community and or not having some sort of integration process after because the, as you said the experiences mm. can be so heavy and so profound and um, like what are have you seen um have you seen things that are like kind of worrying for when people have these profound experiences and don't really focus on an integration mm-hmm. well i suppose there's lots of different levels to that um because let's say you know a really common thing right now which plays on my mind a lot and, a lot, and people do come to me when they're struggling with this is you know the lack in this part of the world in the in the um yeah basically europe america the um 
there are no the culture doesn't support this kind of work right like it's not it used to be embedded in our culture a really long time ago it's just not anymore right so people it's very trendy now for people to go to the amazon go to peru take ayahuasca for example do like really heavy heavy ayahuasca work like it's not to be taken lightly um and in those places like the amazon peru ayahuasca is embedded in the culture there you know like they don't they don't really need to do integration work people who are you know um embedded in that lineage because their culture supports what's happening they're like ah okay he did a ceremony like we 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 do the dieta and we do the the processes around this and everyone's just kind of they're just they just know you know um whereas when westerners go over there they have their big crazy experience that might be profound that might be really difficult whichever and they come back to a place like Ireland and they can be extremely untethered because first of all they've worked with medicine that is not from their lineage from their land um it's it's exotic and exciting and also very therapeutic and I do really respect still people of course who work with that medicine but just for this example of like you know people come back and they can just be really untethered because they don't have the community, you know, they don't go back to their family who really respects or knows anything about the experience that they might have had. They're completely cut from the culture that it comes from and um, any support systems. So, yeah, people um, often just really struggle. They can really disassociate. They can really kind of recluse into themselves or they can just shake off the experience and pretend it never happened, you know um which is is yeah it's still um you know it's sad for them basically uh, and of course people come back and they have amazing experiences and they kind of like find their way but there's just a general openness or you know potential for the struggle to be really uh, really real you know um and yeah, I've just I've just found it of so many people I speak to, you know, people in Ireland who find the psychedelic society of Ireland and they're like, oh, my God, like, you know, I've for the last 20 years, I've been taking psychedelics like in my own like, like in my own little world and nobody's even known and I've never had anyone to talk to about it. And then they find a place where people can come and, and discuss it. And it's yeah, it's a really big deal, you know, Um. And like I say, it might not be all bad for people, but I think we can harness the transformational power better, essentially, Mm. you know, and not just have it be that one time you went and did this crazy experience, but actually integrate it into your life that, you know, you do the work around it and you really, um, it impacts you positively for the rest of your life, Mm. you know? Have you also seen... Yeah people who maybe aren't haven't put a lot of attention or intention on the idea of integration and as a kind of response maybe they consistently seek psychedelics like it's almost like a a regular thing and have you seen that happen and what like are there some pitfalls in in that response Mm, 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, we live in an absolutely consumerist <laughs> culture and society. It's crazy. You know, like you said, with the yoga and mindfulness and buy this app and consume, consume, consume. And it becomes like, it becomes something different, basically. Um, and that can absolutely happen with psychedelics. Yeah, where people basically just keep chasing that place that they went to before or that, you know, that otherworldly state of being. Um, so my kind of suggestions to people always are just wait until you feel like you've integrated or taken something from the previous experience or just, just, just wait, you know, and, and don't rush into it and, and do it again when you're ready. Because, you know, psychedelics are definitely woven into my life and, um, and I know that it helps people, you know, some people might then start microdosing, for example, or, you know, it might become a yearly thing they do on their birthday or they do it seasonally or something like that. And that can definitely be healthy, like, you know, but um, I suppose it always just comes back to are you chasing something or, you know, do you feel that there's been a long enough time where you've actually integrated what happened last time and you're just ready for something different? But I do think that um, the more, well... How do I put this? Kind of like the more you do them, the less you end up doing them or something like that, you know, like greater time periods um, tend to happen when you're having, you know, like when you're really doing the work and when you're really um, making a thing out of it. Um, I will actually say before we move on to that, um, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called The Spirit of the Liberty Cap. And if people want to, you know, I I basically use that book to answer all the questions that I get okay. from people all the time Great. about magic mushrooms, about journeying, about, um, yeah, the whole process from foraging and identifying through to integration. Um, and that might be a helpful resource, basically, for people. If they really do want to learn more, it's just kind of like a... Yeah, a bite-sized way to get all the Great. information in, you know, about starting your journey. But that this can serve as like a preview before for people who want to purchase the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Well, one thing I also wanted to talk mm. about a little bit about was how very often when you speak of psychedelics and integration, the phrase, the work comes in, right? And the work mm -hmm. is almost like this thing that you can't touch and you can't really yeah the but, but it's almost like work. you you know what you think you know what it is but someone else thinks they know what it is and it's different and i guess <laughs> one thing i wanted to talk about was how i mean you're talking about the importance of the integration right bringing it into your day-to-day -day life this profound experience mm -hmm. and how actually a lot of the people listening who potentially have never had psychedelics and don't particularly want to they can also mm -hmm. make huge strides if they have similar aspirations it, without having the psychedelic mm -hmm. experience. And it would be nice maybe if you could speak mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Mm, yes, definitely. I definitely want to talk about the women's circles and I'm sure you have lots to share about the men's groups that you do as well. Um, yeah, basically, I would say there's so many, like I said, you know, there's so many different tools. Psychedelics are definitely not the only tool that you can use to reach altered states of consciousness or to just deepen, deepen your level of 
um, self-development or spiritual development, you know. So, yeah, the other thing um, to speak about there really is just the women's work that I ended up doing and, and what that kind of brought into my life and, and taught me, you know, because, um, again, rewind back into kind of, you know, early college years and, and that kind of time where, um, yeah, as a as an Irish young woman, I suppose, like had a lot of uh, society's conditionings and expectations on me and kind of like navigating that um, and psychedelics actually playing a massive role in my shift in perception about so many different things, um, you know, wearing makeup, for example, or just needing to fit in and do certain things or act certain ways because it was expected of me or because I felt like I was unworthy or, you know, all of these really quite big things, things that were kind of coming up for me. Um, and I was just realizing, um, yeah, started to kind of have an effect. But unlike psychedelics, it was kind of a bit of a slow burner for many years. Um, but through meeting some amazing women along the way that I um, learned so much from, connected with. Um, also really coming back to nature and doing a lot of nature connection work, I think really helps me tune in with what femininity genuinely meant for me. And this isn't, you know, having long hair and wearing long dresses, but like coming into alignment with nature and seasons and wildness and you know, that kind of, that kind of work, I think, um, yeah, really influenced me very strongly. Um, reading some amazing books by some amazing women as well. I have a whole book list on my website if anyone wants to um, check out some books that have inspired me along the way, which I could probably talk about for a while, but I won't. Um, yeah, so it, it, um, it led me to actually what it was, was working um doing the psychedelic society of ireland stuff and noticing that a lot of the time i was actually the only woman in the room like all of the events that i was holding they were so male dominated a lot of older males as well at the beginning and i remember just really feeling like you know this isn't weird but also like where are the women like you know me as a young woman like wanting to bring people together and just really noticing like a very obvious lack of of women in psychedelic spaces so i started hosting like a psychedelic sisters circle in dublin and just really inviting women in to talk about psychedelics and to and it was kind of like a mixture of a women's circle and a psychedelic integration group um but yeah, it just really led me to do a lot more women's work um, on myself, first of all. And then um, up into recent years, learning a lot about um, the rite of passage of childbirth and training as a birth doula and transitioning actually, not fully still work with psychedelics, but working a lot more with women who are um, pregnant, birthing and um, postnatally just basically um birthing in a more empowered way than the system that most women um birth in at the moment and yes yeah, really you know bringing into my awareness as well like the lack of rites of passage that we all have as humans but um for me in, in, in my own life you know like more focus on 
women and and what we miss out from from not having rites of passage whether that's you know coming into going through puberty or becoming pregnant or you know going through different you know stages in our lives um so yeah i i, I run women's circles I, w- I work with women now as a as a birth doula but also run um women's circles sometimes in dublin about every two months um and they're really spaces i've learned so much over the years of about holding these spaces you know like and you know yourself i'm sure the power of just creating space for people to be really vulnerable and really open and to to go around and, and, and share, you know, the truth of our human experience and to, to just process and learn from each other. Um, and yeah, most recently I've been getting quite experimental with going deeper into what it really means to be in a feminine space, for example, and moving completely out of like the logical verbal mind of even just talking our experience but experimenting with what it is like to just hold physically nurture you know sing dance become fully embodied in celebrating our our feminine body and um yeah it's just it's just so amazing what what can happen when women come together in you know what needs to be a pretty brave space um, but at the same time is so open and welcome for anybody, even if it, no one has ever heard of anything like this. It's um, I think it's really necessary because as women and also as men in their own way, you know, we carry so much jealousy and, you know, comparison and shame and all of these things that just they just don't serve us living our, the fullest versions of ourselves, you know. And there's so much healing in, there's so much healing in same gender spaces. And of course, there's so much healing in mixed gender spaces as well. Um, But yeah, it's had a massive impact on me to really come and meet myself in those spaces and to heal my relationship with women, basically, you know, and to be able to call upon women um, to have a sisterhood and to really support each other in the ways that only women can support women and again being in the birth world is really so much about so much about that and so much about um yeah just offering support that is necessary and deserved and and we would have had you know our ancestors would have had and and we've lost that through medicalization of so much stuff and yeah, we've just been ripped away from some really deep roots that we have in how we support each other, uh, like same gender. So, yeah, there's so much to it. What about? Sorry, I was on. just gonna say it can get very lonely. You know, like I can't, I can only speak mm-hmm. for myself, but I think even though you're saying like psychedelics and this kind of uh, field is getting more and more popular, I still think it's considerably countercultural in terms of particularly the integration mm-hmm. stuff. And that it can feel very lonely. That that's what it really gave me with the men's group. Where, like, I was trying to, I was trying to work on this, and I was trying to do that, and that it would be kind of like not really acknowledged or not really uh, praised. You know, sometimes I think it's important to be praised by other people mm-hmm. that you that you respect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And like you said, I mean, I, I want you to share maybe a few like kind of empowering stories from the experience. But I heard this a few weeks ago from one of the blogs in my men's group and I thought it was great. Uh, he's from Glasgow, uh, LA. He's a thick Glasgow accent, but now he lives down in England. And um, we've probably been in the men's group maybe two years and he would go up to Glasgow every once in a while and he would still have a few pints with the lads and the lads would always just give him guff. Like they'd always still, still take the piss out of him, say this and say that. And like trying to get a riot out of him, basically. And then my mate would say like, boys, like I've been in a men's group. Like you, you can't piss me off now. Like I, I've addressed the insecurities, you know? So yeah. no, I'm not afraid if you like slag my hair or call me soft, you know? I've, re I've really looked mm -hmm. at that part of me. So it's, it's okay, you know? And I think they were kind of yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah that's so good to hear um it, it really does so much like yeah it can really shift a lot and and bring so much liberation in so many different ways i believe um one thing for me that hands down in every circle even if it's you know because i've done a lot of psychedelic integration groups and things like that so can be mixed um genders as well but especially in the women's groups i feel like you know, so many people, the majority of people, they go around living their lives feeling like they're the only one to experience what they're experiencing. And when you sit in a circle of other women and you hear them share what they're going through, everyone resonates so deeply, always. You know, there's never anyone who's like, well, actually, no, I don't get that. It's always there's always a common thread and there's always um yeah there's just beautiful realization of like oh my god we all go through the same stuff you know mm. and we can all support each other through it because we've all gone through it and if we just you know leave our egos at the door and the way I kind of phrase it with, with the women is like, you know, come into this space and allow your armor that you have to wear as you're walking down the street through life, you know, like allow your armor to fall and just allow yourself to kind of like lie back into the softness of just feminine, open, feminine, supportive space. And so much, like so much healing and growth happens in those spaces. So um, I think it's just... You know, again, it's something that um, our ancestors would have had a lot of, you know. Um, even, again, I always relate to the birthing space, you know, even really not that long ago, 100 years plus ago, like birth birthing spaces were always women-only spaces. They were always, you know, non-medical spaces. They were always holistic, held, supported by um, women. And now it's just the complete opposite to that and it's you know for a lot of people it's it's medicalized it's in hospital it's bright lights it's people coming at you with rubber gloves and stuff and it's just it's just not what it used to be and it's the same with this it's like you know yeah having having those spaces there's a lot to be said and having the support of 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 women and and um women who've gone through similar things is is just there's so much medicine in it you know like an, an um, opportunity so it's always that you know mm -hmm. i was just going to say like an opportunity to be authentic is is pretty rare out here you know and to have that like yeah. on, on a particular 
on a regular occurrence. It's so liberating. I mean, mm. you probably feel so much lighter coming out of it and, and so much more connected. Um, but but for, for people listening, or for women listening who think, I think I heard of it once or twice. Like, is, is it like that or is it like this? Could you maybe, like, oh, if it is a bit of, like, mystification, could, could, could you maybe, like, bring it down a bit more for mm-hmm. people who are kind of like, let me, let me learn a bit more? Right, yeah, on basic practical terms. Um, yeah, so I would hold a space. Oh, it is always, you know, I always add little bits here and there. It depends on on what I'm feeling or what we're feeling or what season it is. <laughs> um, but in basic terms, um, there'd be a group of, you know, between kind of 10, 15 women. Um, we sit together in a circle. We might do a little bit of meditation, a little bit of grounding the body down. Um, probably share tea or maybe cacao um, and pass the a talking piece around. So whatever. Sometimes I, I work with like themes um, and sometimes it's completely open space. But it's really just an opportunity for women to rather than saying, yeah, I'm grand, as we all do, you know, to really actually say, well, you know, what is really going on for you or what? How do you relate to this certain theme? Um, and we go around once or, or twice sometimes. And um, again, it's just that kind of like softening into the truth and authentic experience of women. Um, I like to often bring some sort of embodiment practice into it afterwards, you know, whether that might look like dance or might look like um, a touch exercise or or something like that to kind of bring us into the body. Because, again, a lot of the time we're just stuck in the head and stuck in the verbal expression. Well, uh, could also look like art, could also look like a ritual. Um, but on basic terms, yeah, generally something you know, embodied might happen to kind of help that land and, and move through. And that's essentially it, you know, like uh, all sorts of fancy things can be thrown in, but essentially sitting in a circle and just coming into connection with yourself and sharing with your fellow sisters is um, is the core of it, you know. Um, and it there's it's simple and it's so powerful, you know. It it is one of those things where it, it can only be undersold because words don't really give it any justice. <laughs> so you're just like, if you're somewhat tempted, yeah. you kind of just have to have to give it a go because I yeah. I, I don't think I mean I don't think I've heard someone who's had a circle experience to say it was a bit underwhelming, you know. But actually, mm-hmm. um, I did hear this fantastic quote uh, from a guy who was talking about men's circles a few weeks ago, and he said that. Um, he actually had somebody come into his men's circles and said that he didn't feel like he was getting anything. And then the guy said, mm-hmm. well, that's probably why, because you, you're coming here to get something when really you also have to give, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's this totally. kind of like magical space where you, you can only get if you give, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And again, it, it, it's a consumerist mindset, right? Of, right, I'm going to this thing and I'll be disappointed if I don't come out healed, <laughs> essentially. And um, it's what we put in that we get out, you know. Um, and, and, it's, and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's even just stepping into vulnerability that is actually, can be really difficult for some people, you know. 
so even just that act alone I think and also witnessing other people do it uh, too is like oh finally yeah I forgot we're all human you know and uh, and there's so much power in just sharing that right (laughs) so much so I mean when you when you shared that a few minutes ago about how when someone shares something literally 99.9% times everybody else relates I've had a few experiences mm-hmm. where I go in and like I'm thinking oh I'm going to share this like this is probably what I should share what I want to share and then someone beside me mm-hmm. shares them. I'm just thinking wow he's he's up there you know he's like I, I, need, I need to go deeper yeah. like I need to really bring it in because he's bringing it in and it's it's like yeah. the nicest competition it's not even a competition but it's the nicest kind of like <laughs> encouraging of each other going like here i'm vulnerable man let it all out it's okay you know mm-hmm. yes exactly you're so right like as as you go around and by the time you're at the end of the like second round everyone's like so open um yeah yeah it's 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 really special um and, and everywhere needs it, I yeah. really believe, you know, like, and there are some, you know, basics to, to what it means to hold a circle and what that looks like. But at the same time, I really think that if anyone um, wants to try it, yeah, go find someone who does it locally. I, as I said, I do them in Dublin um, every two months or so. Um, and you can find more info mostly through my newsletter is probably the best way okay. to find it when they're on which you can sign up to via my website if you want to um but yeah you know once i i do think that once you go to one or two i really try to i want to empower people you know like you don't have to be you know a therapist or a counselor or really experienced in women's work to simply bring women together to to go deep you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So I really always encourage people to, yeah, set one up locally. Literally every town in the world needs one, you know, and the more local, the better. So Yeah, yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira, just a few things. One I wanted to say, I'll provide mm-hmm. the link to your website below for or in the show notes for mm-hmm. anyone who wants to learn more about you. Two, I didn't want to feel like you to feel like I was skipping over the, the natural birth as well. I think that almost deserves a separate kind of podcast mm-hmm. in itself. So maybe we can talk about that at a later mm-hmm. day. Um, mm-hmm. um, before I ask the final question, I would also like to ask, is there something that you don't think I've kind of asked or like provoked that you think maybe just in and around this team, I'd like to share this? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely talk for days about lots <laughs> working with the different stuff but I suppose what I can drop in maybe that's just a really another really big part of my life and, a, and another big part of what I do or where this all kind of connects from and I suppose I kind of mentioned it earlier on when I spoke about um, nature to connect me to you know my my true kind of feminine nature um but on a broader scale, because the book also, it really includes psychedelics as well. And, you know, my really speaks a lot about foraging and connecting with the land and connecting with the spirit of the land. And yeah, something that's really been a massive part of my life is just coming back to nature um, and and that being such a supportive tool for literally everything I've done. And I think... Um, Again, people are kind of like hearing a little bit of, oh, yeah, nature connection or, you know, mindfulness or, or, you know, walking in your bare feet or cold water swimming or, you know, 
it's it's trickling in there but um i just don't think that we can downplay the importance of genuinely being connected with nature you know in a spiritual sense but also in a practical sense in relation to ecosystems and you know the health of the planet and all of that kind of stuff like it comes up so much with people with psychedelics too you know they feel this connection with nature or experience nature in a way that they've never experienced before so um it's a whole topic <laughs> i'll just i'll yeah. just put it out there but yeah it's it's a whole topic and um it really it, it weaves into like literally everything yeah. that i do in a big way if you like we could talk a little bit about it because uh, we usually mm. end by talking about how the guest takes care of their mental health and you know uh-huh. we're, we're we're coming up on a hundred podcasts and i would say 90 percent of them have said something relation relating to nature um mm-hmm. and you're right like to me it's it, it's like you can walk barefoot but still not have the connection i think like there is there mm-hmm. it does require an intention you know and mm-hmm. and i think there there's a there's a time where you can go to um Ticknock Hill or somewhere beautiful closer in and around Dublin and you can go oh yeah I was out in nature today but but did you really like did you really soak it in did you did you really mm-hmm. have that kind of wow wow you know and and I yeah. think that like extra few seconds just that extra two breaths is next level catharsis right to be able to go wow like this is just me this is just me this interconnected web without all of that I'm not here you know mm-hmm. mm. yeah it's so so true it's so true i love how you've you've kind of <laughs> yeah you've really knocked it on the head there um and and what has brought it deeper for me um so yeah you know like just walking swimming being out in it is 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 good for the mind body soul um in general but what's really deepened it for me um has been really learning a lot about foraging so obviously that well not obviously but what started my interest in foraging was foraging liberty cap mushrooms right and through that experience being like wow i really feel like this whole new level of respect and connection to this land that grows such sacred incredible medicines Mm. so that's one one part of it um but then just yeah just over the years personally studying and getting teachers that teach me a lot about um all different native species of um wild foods you know and 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 just plants and trees uh, and mushrooms and learning about how they all support our our health in many different ways so you know native herbalism um and identifying and picking and foraging and going out and you know using nature as a medicine cabinet essentially and calling upon it again as an ally to help us through life rather than just like oh that's a lovely tree or that's a lovely you know rose plant or whatever so really like learning about it in a new way in a new way where i'm like ah you know the elderflowers are out now and and Oh, there's the hawthorns, you know, I'll I'll pick them in a few weeks when they're ready and connecting cyclically to the world 
in a in a new way has really deepened it massively um and also just growing food myself like I'm a really um passionate gardener and again just on so many levels of it being really good to just get your hands in the ground but also for sustainability and for health and yeah there, there's a lot of and, and then obviously of course like spiritual connection to the land in in a in a different way too there's just so many different ways that nature connection can go way deep rather than like getting out for your hour walk once a week kind of thing you know i hear you i i, I had um mm. i had a retreat in in harris in ireland off scotland um last september mm. and i wrote a little piece about it and I had a section about nature and how I felt like because my mind was so still, it was almost like nature was just teaching me loads of stuff. You know, I was just there and just mm -hmm. watching and it was just kind of showing me the the ruffles and tumbles of it all. It wasn't all beautiful, but it was just it was just life encapsulated, you know, and I, I didn't mm -hmm. there was there was no book. There was no there was nobody narrating it. It was just in my it was just in my face. And I remember yeah. I heard this um this guy talked about how lots of fungi or maybe all the fungi dot, uh, is uh it begins or is birthed on something that's died right mm -hmm. and how he goes mm -hmm. this completely transformed how i viewed life because right we think oh life you're alive and then you're dead and then you're dead oh that's it like that's it but actually something like fungi is showing you actually death is life for for some part mm -hmm. of this interconnected web that we're talking about and if we could look at it like that yeah. it's a well it's a lot easier for me to go ah okay so i'm just like part of this this all ever going process hopefully of just life death life death life death and um totally. yeah it, it's a it's it's a special thing isn't it it's just, and then and then mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had a few days where you're away from nature and then you like or maybe a week or two and you're kind of been in the cities and in the cars and in the offices and the laptops and you're just like oh, mm -hmm. it, it's almost like you're um you're a drug addict and you've gone out gone without the drug. <laughs> no? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely start to feel a bit weird if I like haven't seen a tree that doesn't have like concrete <laughs> around it, yeah. you know, in a city for a while. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's true. I actually, um, I was thinking a lot about this uh, just over the weekend. I was at, um, yeah, a, a birthkeeper's gathering. Um, and there was a lot of talk about death, actually, because as you work with the portal of, of life, so you naturally are very connected to the portal of death because actually they are the same portal, pretty much. Um, but yeah, just really thinking about how you know life is necessary for death and death is necessary for life and essentially exactly what you say about you know mushrooms being the decomposers they only live from from dead things and and also the fact that nature in general it just tells us that life goes on you know like seasonally yeah. every year you know there's life and there's death and there's life and there's death and the trees you know they get their leaves and the leaves fall and they go back down and they and they come back again and it's just like it's so obvious mm. you know like nature couldn't be more obvious with the message of you know life is a cycle you're here and you're not here but you're always a part of it yeah. so um yeah it was nice to just 
kind of directly reflected yeah. on that again recently. Lovely. Right here, I'm glad, I'm really glad we had this conversation. Mm, me too. Yeah, thank you <laughs> no. so much. It's been nice to Yeah, chat. thank you. I think we got a bit energized actually. <laughs> <laughs> We're not so tired anymore. <laughs> if someone skipped from like four minutes to 58 minutes, they would be like, whoa, what happened there? <laughs> Was it psychedelic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah you're right yeah so um so yeah thanks so yeah much no for thanks i'll really nice. I, like i said i'll link i'll link your website to in the show notes for anyone who wants to learn more and yeah like again thanks for your time and i'm sure that a lot of people who click play are, will take something from this so thanks mm-hmm. thank you thank, thank you, you.